The DL Debate with Sister Sarah's Letterkenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. And there's free admission entertainment every weekend. Well, it's a very good evening. Welcome along to another edition of the DEL Debate. Oshin Kelly sitting in for uh, Brendan Deveni tonight. Brendan on his way back from Toga and Africa, having spent some very valuable days away from home along with Bradis O'Donnelly. is of course, part of the, the planned charity. They've been videoing all the stuff that they've been doing over the last couple of days, and it will be a very interesting watch when they sit down and put the whole thing together. But uh, Brendan... As he always is, he's a big heart, so he has out doing good at the moment. But he's uh, unfortunately can't be here in the studio tonight, but he will be back for the DL debate next week. But we will be talking Gaelic games over the course uh, of the next 40 minutes or so. In particular, uh, Donegal GAA, where Donegal, of course, head to Healy Park in Oma on Saturday to play Monaghan in their final group game of the All-Ireland Championship. Donegal already qualified for the prelim quarterfinals, but if they were to get a good result, a one this coming Saturday, they would have home advantage in the prelims of the quarterfinals. So that's the prize on offer if they can pull off a one against uh, Monaghan this coming Saturday. We'll be talking about that game very soon on the show. But uh, also uh, on the program, we're going to start by discussing uh, club matters here in Donegal. And our guests tonight on the program are two men that uh, know a thing or two about club football in, in the county. That is Eve Connellman, John Gilday and St. Eunan's man, Brendan Kilcoyne. Gentlemen, you are welcome along to the DL Debate. Thanks, Hi, Ashley. Good Listen, it's good to have you on. Good to talk to you. And we're going to chat club football. And it was interesting to note this morning that uh, a message came into the Greg Hughes show, the nine till noon show, in relation to county players being made available for for the club. Now, it was claimed that there was a player from uh, the the county panel had played X amount of minutes for his club over the weekend, and then he was dropped from the panel and. Listen, that was only a comment came in, but we were sort of thinking about it during the day. And there's this club versus county battle that's going on all the time. Uh, Brendan, what is your stance in relation to players that are with the county and with the club? Because you, of course, have been on both sides as uh, as parts of, of, of management teams. And sometimes or maybe the club's been unfairly done by the county with players that aren't maybe in that top 17, 18, 19 or 20 that they can't line out for their clubs? Yeah, I, I do believe so. You know, it's difficult for lads, so it isn't difficult, difficult for clubs and the point of view that, you know, you have a couple of players involved and if they're not getting much game time, you know, you'd have to think that it's in the player's interest and in everyone's interest to get some sort of football um, as opposed to, you know, training three, four times a week and, you know, not getting any action really with the county squad. They're part of an extended squad whereby maybe they're not part of the 24, there are 26 that have been listed week in, week out kind of thing. So it is difficult. It's a different scenario. And it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a yearly one that comes up every year. So it is. And there are systems in place through the county board whereby if you are involved in a county senior team that you can play club football. But it's something that I think, there just needs to be a bit of sense about Sutherlands and that, that if, if players aren't getting football like that, and I know a couple of counties this weekend, I think down in Antrim, allowed their players the opportunity to play with their clubs if they weren't really involved or weren't getting football over the last number of weeks. So I totally understand players' frustration and clubs' frustration, seeing their star player been involved in the county team, not getting any game time, and then, you know, not been allowed to play for their club. So... 
Well, I see both sides of the story. I think we need to a bit more joined up thinking on it. And it is something that can be addressed within individual counties. I think come up with some sort of solution on it, Dashin. Yeah. What's your thoughts on it, John? Yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what Brendan said there. I think, you know, by nature, um, county senior managements are very selfish individuals. I think that's part of the job description and understandably so because they're, they're being judged constantly on a day by day basis. So therefore, they want to hold on to everything they have and make sure they have a full deck come a championship Sunday. But I do think it's important that you know, I suppose the whole ethos of the of the J is that is that the club is the foundation and the heart of the whole entire organisation. Um, the new prolonged championship, where it just seems to start in April and goes on forever, hasn't helped the situation because. You know, it's it's. Uh, my father once said to me about a Donegal team: it's harder to get out of the championship than it is to get into the championship now. Um, so that adds extra pressures to clubs because you know players should be playing for their clubs. I understand, and and again, I don't know the details of the the, the aforementioned situation as regards a, a somebody potentially being dropped off the squad. I do think there has to be a limit in the sense the week before a big championship match, and let's be under no doubt about it, and we'll probably talk about it later on. Next weekend is a big championship weekend for Donegal. So I think that maybe a week out, back in the good old days, you weren't allowed to play club. But then anything up until that or anything up until two weeks before the championship, you were allowed to play club. Um, and the other thing, even from a, from a player's perspective, how are you supposed to show management how well you're going, um, how well you're playing in real life conditions, unless you can actually see you playing club football? And a lot of these guys, you know, you know training is training and, there's all the old adage of, of you're going well in training and get your shot. But there's nothing like a competitive match on a Sunday to see how well you're really going. And some of the fringe players would really benefit from that. So as, as Brendan said, I think there needs to be more joint up thinking. Um, the clubs can't be playing second fiddle uh, because, you know, we all came through our club structure before we ever went on to County Jersey. And everybody needs to remember that. And the county board and county management need to remember that as well. Yeah. Uh, but from a, a county management point of view, and it's any county management in, in the country, they are more than entitled to say that they have the players because it is a split season. And if you're up at this level, they sort of have control of the situation, Joe. Yeah, but I, I think it sets a bad precedent. Like We're a voluntary organisation. You start going down the control route and you know who has, has the, the most power over any given situation. I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's conducive to good relationships where a more collaborative approach, uh, approach and a discussion between all the vested interests would make sense. And, you know, if you have, you know, so, like it's okay for the couple of big clubs that are maybe c- competing for the championship, the top three or four teams, they have strength and depth. The unions, since then you've Connell and the Gidor, they have strength and depth. But then as you go further down, you start pulling county players that maybe are not playing every Sunday for the county, but are, you know, on the county squad out of, you know, what we would call maybe some of the, maybe not as strong senior clubs, then that has big implication as regards their their championship aspirations next year, their league situation now, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it puts everybody under pressure. I don't think it can be a situation of, well, you're in my window, it's my way. I think there's a better way of doing this. And I think a level of discussion would make sense. And if somebody was dropped off the panel for playing from their club at the weekend, while I can understand the county management's attitude towards that and discipline, et cetera, et cetera, I think it's unfortunate for both the club, the player, and the county setup. 
There is pros, Brendan, for players being involved in a county setup, and I, I made it the point to Greg this morning that when players, even if they're not in that starting 15 and, and in that starting 21, that they come back to the club uh, in a far better condition and having trained at, su- at such a high level. But then a suggestion was made that the, the, some of these players are coming back over trained. Yeah, listen, I, I think, you know, I suppose I've been involved, as you said, on both sides of the coin, so I have and. You know, ultimately, football is about enjoyment. And, you know, lads train to play and the average of training to games is is, is imbalanced in, in, in every way, so it is. So if you have, a, like, I totally get that. And I don't know who the lad was that went and played at the weekend kind of thing. But he's training solid since January, getting very little game time in the county. And, yeah, I totally acknowledge the point that you make in that, you know, he's come back a fitter probably better coach, player, etc. kind of thing. But ultimately, football is about enjoyment and getting out and playing the game. And if the lad wanted to go off and play a game for his club, I don't, you know, John mentioned, you know, that, you know, some clubs need their players. And I'm looking at some smaller clubs. So you look at the likes of Milford and, okay, Rory O'Donnell, Kane Barner, for example, and just taking them um, are getting a bit of game time, but not an awful lot. And the, the, the ratio of training to games isn't good. And, you know, you can train all you want, but football playing games and, you know, going back to our own days, that's what you want. You want to be playing games at the weekend and you'll develop. You can train all you like, but if you're not playing in game scenarios, match scenarios, you can go back to because the enjoyment goes out of it and your confidence, etc., can be shook. So you can if you're not getting games, you're just constantly watching come the weekend, training as hard as you can all week and not getting game time at the weekend. And, I've seen it with lads over the years, and particularly when I was involved in club management, that players going in, involved in the county squad, sitting on the bench week in, week out, and they come back and, you know, the, the, their confidence is shook. They're not, they're, it takes them a while to get back up and going and to get their wee mojo back and, you know, to be motoring pretty good again. So it does. So, you know, the, the, again, there are two sides to it. I totally get all that. But I do believe that if a guy isn't getting regular game time, that he does need to be playing games with his club. And, you know, as John referenced, it is about the club. That's where they were nurtured through as players. So, And I don't see a whole pile wrong how an hour's football when more than likely they would be expected to train that day if the county weren't training in any case. Yeah. Uh, another point, how fair or unfair is it on the on the clubs, the situation with players transferring at the minute, Brendan, uh, to, to America? seems to be happening in every single club in the county. They have one player that's going to play in America for, for the summer. And, and it seems to be over the last couple of years with the change in the schedules as well that it's, it's increased again. Um, I'm sure there's people who are running the club sitting back thinking to themselves, here we go, we're losing a handful of players to America and managers aren't, aren't, aren't going to be happy. Is that another sort of angle that has to be looked at that maybe to help the club that they can... Not totally stop these transfers, but is there anything that can be done to help the club on it, Brendan? I'm not sure if there is, and I, you know, lads are entitled. Like the, you know, this isn't professional football. You know, I, I, county setups are everything, are professional and everything, but name machine. But you know, like I know the three O'Donnells, for example, are away for the summer for St. Junans, and we were speaking offline before we came on, and you know, John mentioned like you know the real action in the championship really only starts after September, and. You know, you have four games 
invariably, you know, you have a fair idea what teams are going to get to the quarterfinals and at that stage, these will be back. Now, listen, it's not the best of preparation for managers that have aspirations on winning a county championship whereby these players, he, do, he doesn't really get much time with the players. But, you know, lads have to travel. They're young fellas and, you know, they have to get life experiences. And I totally get all that. And they'll be well looked after in the States to play a good level of football. So, personally, my own opinion, I, you know, I, I'd have no problem with lads going to America to get for that experience, Oshin. And, it's not ideal. I totally get that from the club management and from the club's point of view. But, you know, lads, particularly young lads that want to go out and maybe earn a few pounds for the summer if they're in college, etc., have every right to do so. Uh, did, you did you enjoy your time in America, John, when you were a bit younger and between, when you were playing football? I, I you, would, you went several times, didn't you? Yeah, I would say in certain instances I'm still recovering. Um, but... Listen, I think it's a great experience. Um, the other thing to look at, and, and Brendan hit on, on a lot of very good points. Listen, we're an amateur sport. There's very few perks in the game. Um, you know, a trip to America for the summer, earn a few bob, you know, live a little bit of a different lifestyle. It's, it's, it's hard to beat. And the way that the, the championship's set up right now, it's conducive for that because really, you know, real football in Donegal starts late, you know, mid to late September. All those guys are back. And, and then, you know, the real, the real battles commence. The other important thing to remember as well, and I suppose New York and their performances this year against Leitrim and then coming over to Sligo highlighted, we have a huge diaspora in, in America, you know, some you know, huge cultural centres and men and women from Donegal and all over the country put a huge amount of effort and sacrifice into those clubs as well, just as much as the club down the road. And they deserve a level of support as well. And when they can bring, you know, some of the marquee players that they would see out from out from Ireland to play in Boston, which enhances their game, which brings bigger crowd, which enhances the whole Irish experience out there, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of positives to that side of the equation as well. So, you know, given the structure of the championship right now, I know club managers are not going to be happy, but, you know, it's everybody's entitlement and right and if any young fella or young girl has an opportunity to go and do it, then I, for one, wouldn't be standing in their way in any way, shape or form, given that it's not going to really impact in the real football that's going to happen later on in the year. Yeah, and the championship, obviously, is set to get up and running in, in the month of August. Um, we're going to look at the, the, the championship draws that were made at senior and intermediate level. But uh, before we do that, would just two guys be content with the structure and the format of the senior championship that's been there now for the last couple of years? Go I suppose, I suppose, Ashin, you know, look, I, I came up to Donegal and I was involved in club championship when it was home and away. And I always liked that format. I thought it, I thought it worked well. And I was kind of disappointed when it, when we deviated from that into this current round. And I do appreciate and acknowledge that it, you know, it guarantees another two games for clubs and that. But the home and away was really, it created some brilliant ties and, if you take the example of, we'll say, even St. Junins and Nave Connell, you know, there's some titanic battles down through the years in these in these home and away, uh, in the home and away format. And it would create huge excitement. And along with that, too, I think the current format, you know, it, 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 the strong teams are going to get stronger because invariably they're going to come through out of the group. Whereas you, you have less chance of a shock or a shock result happening and if it does happen they can get over in the next game and still qualify so they can so you know my my preference was the old home and away I liked it I thought it worked well 
Um, but we are where we are with the four games, and you know that that's the, that's where it's at at the minute. So that's what we got to look with, look at and what we have to deal with, Oshin. You know. Yeah, yeah. There, there's you're guaranteed four games in the group, and then there's the new it's like the All Ireland series, the preliminary quarterfinals, because the top four go to quarterfinals. Then fifth through to twelfth is going to play off to see who will be joining them in the quarterfinals. And then the bottom four teams then are going to get another game in the in the battle of relegation. So everybody sort of is going to get at least five games in, in, in the championship, which, John, you would say for footballers, saying that we need games for footballers, as we talked about a short time ago, is, is a good thing compared to where it was where you were only getting two games before. And you, if you were beaten the first round, you were gone early. Yeah, no, that's true, but... I've got a sore head listening to you explaining the whole format there. Um, and and I think that's the problem we have right now, even up to inter-county level. There's so many games that just don't matter anymore. Um, and that goes back to Brendan's, you know, if you but ask... They've changed me, that, John. They've changed that this year with the 5th to 12th, trying to have I know, games that I know. matter so your position is... You, you could finish 12th. Take, for example, now I'm just looking at the draw here. Killy Beggs, for example, could finish and going into the last game currently in 12th, but in fifth place is Gidor. So they know if they can move up a place, they could possibly avoid maybe a Gidor or a Kilkar, depending on who's in fifth position or fourth position in the table. Is that not a big enough incentive going on with, with, with another game? No, because all things being equal, the top four are going to still end up being the top four. And that's what happens. What I've always felt, and I, I, this this type of format, while it gives people more games and there is like... You, what you'll find is then that you have a lot of very one-sided games that the big guys are just basically steamrolling teams. And if you go back to a couple of years ago when Dublin were in the pump and they're, you know, they're beating everybody out the door in Leinster, you always, always, always on any one day, even a small team has the opportunity of catching one of the big guys. You will never, in the, in the current format, you will never see a team in the county final that isn't classified as in the top three or four teams in the county because the structure's set to to give people more games in one sense, but it also gives the big guys multiple chances to mess up on a given day and still get away with it. And that's relevant in, in, in this year's All-Ireland Series as well. You can lose three games in the All-Ireland Series this year and still won in Ireland. That by its nature is wrong because it just, it takes away from, and maybe, maybe it's an, maybe it's an old man syndrome. Maybe myself and Brendan and Brendan won't want to be described as an old man, but <laughs> maybe it's a situation where, you know, I grew up in, in Glenties and we didn't win many games. Um, but when we played a championship game, it mattered. Every, every ball was life and death and the same through to county football. And I remember. You know, Donegal may have all Ireland's long before '92, given the caliber of the team that was there. If there was backdoor systems, etc., and you just get beaten one day, but you lose that level of, you know, intensity, that one-off event, you know, that that really matters to everybody. And this system right now is set up to where it's, it's death by a thousand games. You play a game, play a game, play a game, play a game. People get a lot of football, but you give me one really intense, high-class game that really matters and it's down to the wire and you have everybody going toe-to-toe, knowing that everything's on the line versus five games where I know I'm going to have two more chances and I'll always take the one-off day out. Brendan, the format of home and away, which you liked when you came to the county, would it be, if they were going to change it, would it be beneficial to have like a qualifier round? So if you did lose 
in that instance over the the home and away. At least you're guaranteed one more game. With three, I, I don't think so. Actually, like you know, cha- championship football is, is the be all and end all when you're brought up in a GA background, and you know that's what you believe. And John referenced, you know that. You know, everything was on the line when you're playing kind of thing. And I think that's what championship football should be and that there's no buyback, that you get your chance. If you don't take it, you wait till next year again. And with the home and away, invariably, you know, if, if you have a tie, like we we'll say, Nave Connell, St. Junior's, the likelihood is it'll go to a third game. So, you know, you're, you're, the, the loser's getting three games there, they're getting three opportunities. And I, I just feel... That you know, a lot of the edge, and you know, a lot of the edge is taken off these early round games. And I've been at a lot of them down over the last number of years, Ashin. And you know, it, it, there's an air of ine- inevitability about it. You know what's going to happen eventually, so you do. And there isn't that real cut and thrust championship until you get to the knockout stages and quarter final. And we, we look at the standard, we'll say, and I, you know, our, our own neighbours in Tyrone, they're a straight knockout championship without even a home and away. One game, winner takes all. And, you know, it creates great excitement and a great buzz in there and, and some fantastic championship games over recent years in Tyrone and with that format. And I'm not saying that we go back to straight knockout like that, but I just feel that, you know, we, we, we've spoken about it over the last number of minutes kind of thing. There are too many meaningless games that have no consequence and invariably you're going to end up with the stronger teams will always find a way to get through and it's going to be very difficult you know down through the years we determine in a final we McCool's in a final you know teams that you know you you mightn't think have a chance and like the likelihood of seeing them type of teams get to a county final again and create a buzz in a parish like Terman or you know Bally Buffet is highly unlikely so it is and I just think that it shouldn't be all about the top teams and making sure that they they have an, an avenue, an easy avenue to get to a quarterfinal. There should be that element that, you know, they could be caught in a bad day and one of them gone. And that would create clear the way for another team even to get to a semi-final or something, Ashin, you know? Yeah. Well, in round one, it's Glen Swilly against Ardra. Four Masters against Aru is probably the wow fixture in, in round one. St. Unans against St. Nulls. Glen Funner playing St. Michael's, Kilcarry against Clohanili, Milford v Dunlow, Neve Connell going to Kelly Beggs, and Guidor against McCools. The big game in round two, as we know, is Neve Connell against St. Unans. Then it's St. Nalls against Glen Swilly, McCools against Kelly Beggs, Ardra versus Glen Finn, a Rua Bally Shannon play Guidor, Dunlow take on four masters, St. Michael's against Kilcar, and Clohanili take on Milford. Nothing there that really stands out where you can look at it and go, right, round one's going to be huge. We know Neve Connell are taking on St. Unans in round two. When that came out, everybody went, whoa, in the room, this is this is the big game. But how much importance, John, does that game carry now in a Donegal Senior Championship in round two? Uh, no, it's not, not important. Um, nobody cares. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, there's somebody cares somewhere along, <laughs> along the line. No, listen, there's, there's never, and in all my time, and, and Brendan maybe can relate to this as well, Um. I never remember a game between Neve Connell and St. Unans not meaning something. Um, there's just like the, they've been the, the heavyweights of, of the Donegal Championship for quite some time. There's history going back even to Brendan and mine's time way back in the 2000s. And there's that edge. They're always there. 
And I think it'll always be there as long as both teams are at this level and this and like the you know, all things being equal, they'll be there at the back end of the championship well. So it has a major implication because it'll it'll define seedings, et cetera, et cetera, which are important. But there's there's no way that either one of these sides is going to want to lose that game because again, you know, it'll set precedent. It's an you know, if, if Neve Connell won then it's it's two on the bounce. If Unions won, then Nick Connell have a chip on their shoulder again. So it's while it's not life and death, and it's not a county final or a county semi-final, and you have no second chance saloon, it still is a very important game as you build throughout the year to see exactly where you are. Because really the league is going to form um, you know, the you know, Gidor Kilkar, St. Unions, and Nick Connell are, are one in most days at a relatively uh, easy pace. Um I suppose the big thing is, will the three O'Donnell lads be back? If they're not, then obviously you would have to maybe favour Nate Collins slightly because you know they have the, the O'Donnell lads have a big impact on, on the way unions play, uh, and then that really has you know we'll see where they are later on in the year. But no, it's it's an important game from a, I suppose from a, an emotional point of view for both sides and from to see where they're at. Um, but again, it won't really affect the outcome of the championship overall. Yeah. Well, listen, Brendan, we carried the draw last week live on, on the score and everybody was talking about the Intermediate Championship. Two groups in Group B. It's Malin, Burt, Red, Hughes, Nivora, Boncrana and Letterkenny Gales. But the so-called Group of Death, it's got the big tag already. In Group A, Downings, Neve Breed, Neve Columba, Fanad Gales, Terman and Bundoran. Some of the heavyweights in the Intermediate all clubbed together. And is it a similar feeling in the in the intermediate championship? Do you think, Brendan, to what it is in, in the seniors that maybe when there is big games here, they're not carrying that same importance until they get to the knockout stage? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously to be jostling for position in in a lot of them in, in, in the in the qualification games, Ashin, but you know, invariably again you're look you're going to be you know, because of that group of death, and I, I'm not sure how many come out of each group, Ashin, it goes to the last eight, I assume. Um, so I would take it that you know the, the 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 big four that you mentioned in Group B, the likelihood is that they're going to make the last eight anyway, and that's when the real business will start there too. So it is, you know, but it it it, it will create some exciting fixtures, I think, throughout the group stage. You know, unlike like I'm looking at round one here in the senior championship, and they're like I'm looking what kind of game. Is there any game there that I would say they get up on a Sunday morning and think, oh, Ginny, that looks okay. And there's nothing really there that excites me as such kind of thing. So it possibly will be some intermediate games that might 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 attract uh, game goers early on as opposed to round one in the senior championship. Now, round two in the senior championship is all is altogether more enticing. There are some nice fixtures in there, so there are, but... Yeah, definitely. It's going to be it's going to be tough on them teams in Group B. So it is, you know, and there will be some good games I would expect in that section. Yeah. Okay. Listen, man, stay with us. We're going to go for a quick commercial break here on the DL debate. You can join us after these, where we'll be talking intercounty football in the last round of the group matches in the All Ireland Championship. The DL debate with Sister Sarah's Letterkenny, serving food you'll love till 9pm daily in Sarah's Kitchen. And there's free admission entertainment every weekend. Welcome back to the DL debate on this Monday night. Ocean Kelly sitting in for Brendan Devaney. Uh, Don't be worrying, Brendan will be back with another programme next Monday night. I'm joined by... Uh, Neve Connell native, John Gilday and St. Unis man Brendan Kilcoyne to talk all things uh, Gaelic Games. We're moving now 
to inter-county level and it's another big game for Donegal. They're heading to Healy Park in Oma not to play Tyrone but to take on Monaghan in round three of the All-Ireland series and there's there's a bit to play for here. Second place in the table. That's on the basis of course that Derry is going to beat uh, Clare and whoever finishes second would have home advantage in the preliminary round of the quarterfinals of the championship because the guys that finish top in each of the four groups automatically go through to the quarterfinals. Uh, so then, John, it's a big game for Donegal. Is this a game that Donegal are capable of winning? That's the question that Donegal supporters will be asking. Monon, of course, currently top the group. Yeah, and Monon, you know, really, Monon have had a good championship when you look at it. Like they've been unfortunate, but they've, you know, they've had some decent performances. Um, over the last couple of weeks, and obviously the latest one was against Derry, uh, three weeks, two, three weeks ago, where they were very impressive and, and maybe should have, um, come away with a victory. I think it's going to be a very big ask for Donegal. Um, you know, if you look at it, we struggled against Clare for long periods. Um, and we eventually turned in a good second half and got a good result, which was important, obviously. And then we looked good at stages against Derry. But I felt that when Derry, you know, upped the pace at certain stages throughout the game, we just we didn't live with them, and they got crucial scores at crucial times, and there may have been a little gloss put on it at the end of it. But we had some quite encouraging performances. It was definitely definitely a step in the right direction. A lot of good performance from the younger lads in the squad. Um, I think maybe this Monon team is a, is a little bit more battle hardened. I think we'll give it a good shot. Uh, and if we're there, thereabouts, coming down the straight, then, you know, please God, we, we get across the line. But if you're a betting man right now and looking at the way things have panned out, you would think that it's going to be, it's going to take a, an incredibly positive performance from Donegal and maybe a bit of an off day for Monon for us to get across the line. Okay. Brendan, what steps forward do Donegal need to make if they're going to be in the final stretch here in this one with, with a shout of getting something out of it? Yeah, I think they'll take some confidence from their performance against Derry. You know, there were some good aspects on it. And, you know, I suppose particularly pleasing to see the form of Oshin Gallen, Farrah kicking over a lot of points and Patrick back on the pitch, you know. But, you know, Monaghan under Vinnie Corey have been very impressive. So they have. And, you know, they, were, they, they probably should have beat Derry, as John said, and they put up a big score in a high-scoring game against Clare then that I'd say maybe... They knew they were going to win eventually, that they were going to grind it out, and they knew that this game against Donegal was coming up. So it'll be a big ask for Donegal, but can they do it? Of course they can, um, but it's going to be very difficult um, to, to, to get a result in Oma against this Monaghan team, who are probably that bit further down the line than Donegal are at the moment in relation to, you know, things things that Donegal had a tough winter, so they had, and you know, a lot going on, as we all know, and has been well thrashed out at this stage. So, you know, it, it's going to be very, very difficult to take a huge performance. They'll need leaders to stand up on the pitch. And, you know, there'll be concerns too. Will Jason McGee be fit? You know, they'll need him in the middle of the field, his presence in the middle of the park. And, you know, it's very unfortunate that Donegal too have lost Michael Langan, Pather Morgan, and, you know, since struggling with injury. Patrick just back and you know they, they're key players like massive and obviously Michael gone but Ryan McHugh missing too so you're, you're looking at five absolute of the first team first guys you'd have down on the team sheet 12 months ago that aren't available to uh, management you know for, for, for the game next Sunday so that you know you don't just replace, replace players of that calibre so it is going to be difficult. They will be taking some heart and some solace out of their performance against Derry. 
But ultimately, you know, Derry looked at times like they could slice through that Donegal defence, particularly late on in the game. And they just looked so powerful running at our defence who didn't cope really with it up to that. They did okay, but the game is 70 minutes and there's some pacey players in this uh, Monaghan side. And you look at the likes of O'Hanlon and, you know, Vinnie Corey was very smart in the, you know, the Derry game. He he rested certain players. He didn't play McManus or Jack McCarran because he felt that, you know, I suppose the Derry, the way Derry played didn't suit their style of play. So I just feel... It's going to be tough for Donegal. It'll be a big ask. It's doable, but I'd have to say that Monaghan are favourites going into it, Ashi. Yeah, but the fact, John, that you have Patrick Alday back, it gives you some sort of boost. Like he returned the last day, and now he's going to have another what two weeks or so um, on, under his belt. Um, and you sort of need a player like Patrick back on the field, John. Oh yes, huge bonus. There's no doubt about it. But you know, as is, you know, very few teams have won players going to to you know make that much of a difference where you're going to, you know, he's worth eight or nine points a game. Um, and like, we really need, you know, I thought we had some good performances the last day men stepped up, but like, really we need more men standing up right now and stepping forward. And it's, it's Patrick backs a bonus, but you know, Brendan pointed out with all them men less, missing. And then you can add in the three O'Donnells who I would, you know, I would suspect would be starters or very close to starting as well. And you really have a half a team, that's not really involved in the county squad right now. And that's a big, 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 you know, deficit out the gate. We have a lot of young lads learning their trade and they're doing quite well. But, you know, you're coming up against a battle-hardened Monon team that have exactly the same incentives that we have to come second and are probably in a better position to do that because they're top of the table right now. Yeah. So, listen, you always go into these games with hope. As a team, you have to go in thinking and knowing that you can win this game. They did the same thing against Derry. They did the same thing against Clare. But, you know, just given the turmoil that was alluded to earlier and everything else that was going on, you know, two weeks is a a long time. But in the reality of this season, it's probably not long enough. And I think we'll, we'll be in it for long enough. And, you know, if we, if we can hang in there for long enough and get a good start, then anything can happen in a game of football. And this is, this is a proper game of football because it is, it's an important game because there's, there's a definite benefit for the winner of this game. But all things being equal, if you judge both teams on their championship performance so far, you would have to say that that um, Monon are the you know strong in a stronger position right now. Yeah, because Donegal know uh, Brendan that if they don't take a one, they're already in the prelims. But you could possibly be facing a run to either Ross Common to the height. You could be going to to Killarney to play Kerry, or you could be back again at Healy Park and Oma taking on somebody like Tyrone, or even going to the Athletic Grounds to play Armagh. That's if you finish third. Yeah, and if you do listen, that's that's the deal. You know, they'll be well aware of that. So, and and none of them potential fixtures would be would be in any way easy. But we are talking about an All Ireland Championship here, and you're go, you're going to have to come up against them quality sides at some stage. So. They're going to be the test that lie ahead for Donegal. And, you know, down through the years, Donegal have met them tests and, you know, on, on occasions passed them, on other occasions not so. But that's the challenge for Donegal. Obviously, there's a huge carrot to win to get the home, you know, to get the home quarter or the home preliminary. But um, that's what's on the table and that's that's enough incentive, so it is, because, you know, going to go down to Kerry or going down to a Hyde where, to a Roscommon side that are seem to be going really well this year would be a very, very tough assignment. So 
they go out, they give it, the, they give it what they have on Sunday, and see where it takes the machine. And that, that's all you know. That's all we can ask of the Donegal team this weekend. Yeah. Uh, just in the other match, Derry against Clare. Derry know if they better Monaghan score against uh, against Clare. Um, that they'll be in with a shout of finishing top. And I think when you look at it, Derry are probably favourites to end up top of that group by the end of the weekend. Brenda, would you could concur with that? I would, yeah, yeah. You'd have to think that Derry would be favourites to finish top. And, you know, I suppose you have to take into account who, like, they are, they are Ulster champions. And, okay, you know, they, they, they weren't brilliant against Monaghan and there was probably a bit of a hangover from winning Ulster and everything that went on, you know, but prior to that. So, um, but you know you'd have to think that Derry would be worthy to be top of the table and to be directly into a quarter final. Yeah, um, let's move now to just one of the other groups, and as of course involving uh, Tyrone, they're taking on Westmeath in Group Two at Tyrone currently with two games played, one one, and uh, they lost one, but they're in a very strong position to uh, to ta- to try and take second place in that group, John, and, and give themselves home advantage. Ah, yeah, they would have to go to Westmead as favorite favorites, even though Westmead had had some very good performances so far. So, um, you know, it 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 probably looks easy, easier in paper than than maybe it'll work out. But like Tyrone have been going well, they probably got caught in Ulster. Um, Monon caught them when a game was really done and dusted, and uh, have been performing quite well since the game against Galway. I suppose was skewed from the sending off, so you know you didn't really get a proper look at them in, in that game. Um, so listen, they're going to have a say in the championships going forward. I would expect that they'll beat Westmead comfortably and be in the knockout stages. Um, and nobody's going to want to go to Oma to play Tyrone in a, in a championship match anytime soon. So, um, I think they're going to be there, thereabouts, along with, you know, the, the Galways and the Kerrys and the Dublins, et cetera, et cetera. Mayo, yeah. uh, I think they'll have a big say in the championship yet. Yeah, are my good enough to give themselves home advantage, John? Because they have to go and beat Galway, and if if they are to do that, depending on what the score of the game is going to be, uh, Armagh could end up uh, second in the table. Uh, so they could. Can they? Would it be seen as a major upset if Armagh were to to win down in Galway? I think it would be seen. Given like Armagh have performed well in patches and just haven't quite got across the line. And, and big matches, and obviously the Ulster final was evidence of that. So they're there, thereabouts. Like we're we're talking up Derry, um, you know, and how good they are. But you know, Armagh were were there, thereabouts with them, um, uh, and only for the penalty shootout. So you can't write them off. I know they're getting a lot of bad press right now. McGinney's under a lot of pressure. You know, they're not delivering. They're not. You know, but they only need to deliver one, and then the tails are up. And they're a confident side, and they have some exceptional players. I'm not sure. Did they go down to Galway without Ryan O'Neill because they're sending off the last day? Yeah, I think he's missing this week, isn't he, Brendan? Yeah, Ryan O'Neill yeah. uh, is automatic. He's yeah. obviously going to be well, huge. That's going to be a huge loss. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of, like, for them to beat Galway would be a big upset. And for them to beat Galway by this score that they need to beat Galway by in order to come second places, I think they would have to start, you know, at this point in time, there would be, you know, underdogs to slip into that second spot at this point in time. But they'll go, they'll give it a shot. They're big side, they're physical, they're brave. Um, but I just think Galway have too much for them right now. Galway seem to be, if you're looking at all the teams in the country right now, they're the team that's going, you know, consistently well. They seem to know what they're about. And uh, it would be a big ask for a man to beat them down in their home yeah. patch. Well, if they were to beat them, and depending on what they won by, uh, and Tyrone won as well against Westmeath, uh, those three teams 
in that group would all finish on uh, four points. So they would, so it was going to, it would come down then to score difference between the the three of them as to who is going to go straight to the quarterfinals and who's who's going to be in in the prelims. But I think it's fair to say that it's a, a group to watch on Sunday afternoon. That's for sure. Both of those games. Uh, starting at at four o'clock, uh, and the other groups of Group One carry taking on Louth. Cork are hosting Mayo. Uh, Brendan, are you expecting any change at the top, or is it going to be as it is going into the weekend? Mayo will win and uh, remain top of the table and take their place in the quarterfinals with Kerry and Cork finishing second and third. Yeah, I think you would expect so. Um, you know, Mayo probably deserve it after beating Kerry and Killarney in the. You know the original game in that group, so you would expect them to have too much for Cork. Cork are an improving side; they've some really, really good footballers. But I think Mio's experience at this level. The only concern, I suppose, for Mio, there seems to be a lot of chip chopping and changing with the team. They weren't impressive in what was a poor, you know, game last weekend in McHale Park. But I still think they'll have too much for Cork, and obviously. Kerry, you would expect Kerry to be loud at the neutral venue, so you would um, loud have performed well under Mickey Hart, so they have. But this really, Kerry, know there's a lot on this on the line for them this weekend, so you would expect them to be able to pull out a performance. And you know, there's a lot of talk about Kerry being a one-man team now, and I don't concur with that. There's no doubt about it that David Clifford is a generational player, but there is plenty of other talent around that Kerry team too that just haven't clicked into gear yet. But then again, Kerry have never needed to kick into gear until, you know, back in the old days, come August, really, kind of thing. Yeah. Under this system, they don't need to kick into gear until the quarterfinal stage, and I expect that they will. Yeah. Uh, just back to that Armagh game, John, because uh, uh, I forgot that it was actually neutral venue, so Armagh are not going to yeah. Galway. They're actually going to Breffney Park in Cavan, and it's an Ulster venue as well. So maybe that upset maybe on the carriage, John. Listen, it, it helps. It definitely helps their cause. Um, whether it's enough to get them across the line or not remains to be seen. I think it'll be a close affair. Um, but if you're judging like for like right now, you, you know, Galway are just in a better place. But you can never write off that Armagh team. They have a lot of talent. You know, on any given day, they can put it up to anybody. Has been seen time and time again. But from their own point of view, they need to get across the line in one of these big games. And if they do get across the line in one of these big games and they change the psyche around that, then they're going to be a dangerous outfit going forward. Nobody's going to want to come across our mat. And I suppose, you know, we're talking about the form guide right now. Who's good? Who's bad? Where's Kerry? Et cetera, et cetera. The, the championship's so open this year. Like if you ask 10 people who's going to win the championship, you know, you would probably get five different answers in, in that conversation. And I don't think I've seen a championship as open right now because there's nobody really, you know, shooting the lights out to go there, the standout team. And it's a long way from where we were maybe five or six years ago when it was just the Dublin procession and it was like, who's going to play Dublin in the final and then Dublin are going to win. We have a very, very open championship right now and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen over the coming weeks and months ultimately. But John, is it not back to a point you made earlier that the real championship doesn't actually start until later in the championship? Is that the same with the All-Ireland Series? Yeah, exactly. And that's the big issue I have with it. A lot of these games are inconsequential because the teams that are going to be in the quarter the quarterfinals are going to be in the quarterfinals and you anticipate that, you know, the bar one or maybe one or two of the teams that we mentioned already, you're still going to end up with the big four. You know, Galway will probably be there, there about. Kerry will be there, there about. Mayo, Dublin, and maybe maybe one of the Ulster sides, um, all things going well. So 
listen, it's the same problem we have in Donegal. A lot of games are not important, and Kerry and all these teams are gearing up to you know down the line. For example, if you look at early in the year, Russ Common beat Mayo. Is that going to have a big impact on Mayo's championship? Absolutely not, because Mayo have to play less games now to one all Ireland than they would if they had to actually beat Russ Common. And a system that 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 can happen in has to be flawed and wrong in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, just one more group to look at: Brendan Dublin against Dublin uh, against Sligo at Breffney Park. Ross Common are also ticking on Kildare. Um, it's all about who's going to score the most this weekend to finish top of that group. But uh, whoever it is, Dublin probably going to end it. Brendan, fair to say against Sligo that you expect them to put up a ton against them this weekend, and they will more than likely win that group. You would expect so. Listen, Sligo is part of a double header in Breffney Park with that Tyrone Westmead game. You would expect Dublin to have far too much for Sligo. This has been a great experience for Sligo, notwithstanding what we were giving out about all these inconsequential games, you know, getting promoted from Division 4 and playing against teams of the calibre of Verstam and Dublin and Kildare can only be a help to them. And they do have a chance of getting that third place. So they do, if they can get closer to Dublin, then Kildare do get to Roscommon. They will. They could qualify for one of them preliminary quarter finals. So they could. So there's every chance they've a lot to play for. Uh, Sligo have them uh, this weekend, but you would expect the Dubs would have would be far too strong for them. And likewise with Roscommon and Kildare, you would expect. You know, Kildare don't seem to have made the progress that people would have anticipated, and Roscommon seems to be in a fairly good place at the moment. They were lucky not to beat Dublin the first day, so they were and. You know, accounted for Kildare fairly pretty handily then, so they did. So, um, two games you would expect Roscommon to win, Dublin to win, and it's the, it's the margins that will determine then who comes into the uh, quarterfinal peak qualifier. Yeah. Uh, just one other fixture of note, letter listeners know that the newly crowned Ulster Senior Ladies Champions Donegal are starting their All-Ireland Series this weekend as well. They're taking on Waterford in their home game in the group. Uh, that is on Saturday at the Neve Padre Club in Lifford and starting at 1 o'clock. And we'll have updates here in Highland from that game on Saturday afternoon. And we'll also have full live match commentary from the fixture between Donegal and Monaghan at Healy Park in Oma on Saturday in round three. That one starts at six. Uh, we'll have Martin McHugh and Brendan Deveni on the uh, the commentary team for that game this coming Saturday evening. You know, that must have thing here on Highland with that one. So that brings an end to the DEL debate. Once again, just to reiterate, Brendan will be back uh, next week. You'll be glad to hear. He'll be back in studio on the position for the programme. Many thanks to our guests uh, tonight, Brandon Kilcoyne and John Gilday. We appreciate you joining us as we do every week, boys. Thanks for joining us. Okay. No Rashi. Pleasure. And we'll talk again real soon. That's it from the DL debate. Enjoy the rest of the good weather. Enjoy your Monday. And we'll be uh, back with more sport tomorrow morning here in Highland. The DL debate with Sister Sarah's Letter Kenny, serving food you'll love till 9 p.m. daily in Sarah's Kitchen. And there's free admission entertainment every weekend.